Good morning, let's pray together. Father in heaven, we've recently been learning about your heart for the lost. And today I would ask that you would help us uh, really grasp the implications of that for for our lives and for the world that you created and that you love. And we pray that you would um, just give us uh, understanding to know what we should be about. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to ask you to take out your worship folder, please, and turn it over to the back. Take a look at our church purpose statement, which says our purpose is to connect people to the God who made them, to friends who help them, and to a world that needs them. And I want to focus on that last part for a bit today. Uh, There's a word we use when we talk about our efforts to impact the world with the love and the truth of Jesus, and it's the word missions. Missions basically means or describes uh, our efforts to bring the gospel, the good news of Jesus, his truth and his love to people of other cultures, people who speak different languages, people who live in different places. And it takes, it takes special effort to do this. I mean, if you're, if you're a believer in Jesus today, you know that it takes effort to reach those nearby you with the good news. Uh, it takes, we have to be intentional about it. But see, it takes more effort, it takes more intentionality to reach the unreached who are not near us, but who are distant from us, who don't speak our language, who don't share our culture, maybe don't even live on the same continent. So why do we do that? Why, for example, does this church support six missionary families uh, at a cost of over $20,000 a year, And by the way, that doesn't begin to cover all their expenses, but we partner with other churches, other individuals to do that. Or why are we sending a team to Uganda this next June and asking you to help make that happen by praying for them, by supporting them financially? I mean, after all, aren't there plenty of needs right here in our backyard, so to speak, our community, our uh, region, our nation even? Why cross oceans, why cross cultures to meet needs in the name of Jesus when you got all kinds of needs right here? Well, we're going to focus on a passage where Jesus answers that question for us. And there are several places in the Bible we could look at, but it's very interesting that in the history of the church over the centuries... God has used this particular passage again and again. You read biographies of missionaries, you hear stories of how things happen again and again. God has used this particular passage to stir up his people, 
to greater acts of faith and love and sacrifice in reaching the unreached around the world. And my prayer is that he'll do that again. And he'll do that for us. That he will stir us up, me and you, to greater faith, greater love, greater sacrifice in reaching the unreached. Uh, Pastor John Piper says that this passage is kind of like a thorn in the cushion of your pew. It won't just let you sit there and relax in apathy and comfort. It provokes you to care, to engage, to get involved in a meaningful way. So we're going to look at this thorn in the cushion of the pew this morning. I want you to look with me at John chapter 10, verses 14 through 16 where Jesus is talking about who he is and what he came to do, and he says, this is Jesus speaking, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep who are not of this sheep pen, not of this fold, I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice. There shall be one flock and one shepherd. Now, there are several things we could talk about from this, but I want to zero in on some reasons Jesus gives us here for really caring about and being involved personally in missions. I'll tell you right up front, that's my goal for this message. My goal is that based on what Jesus says here, every one of us, we will all decide to pray and to think and to figure out how God would have each one of us be personally engaged in missions. So, why missions? That's the question. First reason. Because the good shepherd has other sheep. The good shepherd has other sheep. Now the good shepherd, of course, is Jesus. And to be one of Jesus' sheep is the greatest thing there is. And if you wonder why he compares us to sheep, well, it's because sheep need a shepherd. Sheep need a shepherd. They are dependent on a shepherd. They can't make it without a shepherd. They cannot survive. They cannot thrive without a shepherd. Sheep need a shepherd. We need Jesus. We need him. We need him to rescue us from our sin. We need him to lead, to direct our lives. We need him. Jesus is not an optional extra in life. It's not like, oh, hey, I've got, you know, I've got a great house, I've got a spouse, I've got kids, got a good job. Oh, yeah, and I've also got Jesus. And it's said optional, gives a little extra zing to life. Now, Jesus is not an optional extra. He's not an extra. He's essential to real life the way God intends it to be. 
He's essential. He says here, he talks about laying down his life, referring to his death on the cross, for his sheep. That was not an optional thing. It doesn't make Jesus some kind of little ornament for your life. He laid down his life for us, his death on the cross. We would not be able to know real life apart from him. Lays down his life for sheep. Now, who are his sheep? Well, it's those who listen to his voice. If you go on in chapter 10, verse 27, he says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. It's not optional. And they shall never perish. No one shall snatch them out of my hand. So, if you trust in Jesus Christ and his death to rescue you from your sin, and you trust him to give you eternal life, and you follow him as your good shepherd, then you are one of his sheep. You're in the flock, and that is the greatest privilege there is. It really is. And we ought to be so grateful. We ought to be so glad And we ought to be something else. We ought to be careful. We ought to be careful because if we're not, we might make the mistake of thinking that the reason he called us to be one of his sheep, to be in his flock, is because there's something extra special about us. You know, we might get a little proud about being one of the chosen, a little complacent. Yeah, I'm in the flock. So to keep us from thinking that God cares more about us than he cares about others, Jesus kind of takes a a pin here and pokes the balloon of our pride, lets the air out of it, and he says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen, not of this fold. Yes, I love you. I love you, but you are not the only ones I love. You are not the only ones I lay down my life for. I have other sheep, and they're not here. They're not in the same pasture as you. And you know what? They don't look like you either. And they don't say bad the way you do. But they are just as important to me as you are. They are my sheep. So Jesus is saying here to those who are listening, he's saying that his sheep are not just Jews like all of the first Christians were. They're they're Samaritans and they're Gentiles and and his sheep are not just those who live in Israel, but those, there are those in Syria and, and Galatia and Macedonia and Italy and Spain. And they're not, his sheep are not just Europeans, but they're Asians and they're Africans and they're even Americans. In other words, his sheep are not just the people who are already in the flock those we already know, the people who are us. 
But they are, as it says in Revelation 5, 9, people from every tribe and language and people and nation. So every time we start to get too comfortable with with it just being us, we need to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd ringing in our ears. I have other sheep. I have other sheep besides you. My flock is not yet full. There are still other people who need to hear my voice and follow me. So Jesus has other sheep. Reason two for missions. Why missions? Because these other sheep are scattered around the world. See, we might we might think it would be enough to reach the unreached right around us, which, you know, has plenty of challenges. But reaching the unreached who are nearby does not exhaust, it does not fulfill the purpose Jesus has in mind here. What he, when he talks about bringing other sheep into his flock, the scope of that mission that he has in mind is worldwide. You say, why do you know that? He doesn't really say that here. Well, it's because the rest of the book makes it very clear. This is John chapter 10. Okay, go back to John chapter 3, verse 16. You may very well have heard this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So Jesus talks about laying down his life for his sheep and giving them eternal life. Well, here in John 3.16, who are those sheep that he came to give eternal life to? It's whoever believes in the whole world. And then in the very next chapter, John chapter 11, verses 51 and 52, John says, Jesus would die for the Jewish nation and not for that nation only, but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together and make them one. Same theme there. There'll be one flock, one shepherd. They're scattered around the world, that is. And then in case we still haven't got it, his last words before he returned to heaven, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says to his followers, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So it will not do, it will not do for us to be content with reaching our neighbors. I mean, that's important, that's essential, but it's not enough. As long as there are people scattered around the world who still need to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd calling them, we must still be engaged in missions. I was looking at some statistics Missions researchers have figured out how many different people groups there are in the world. I'm not talking about population. I'm talking about distinct groups of people uh, identified by speaking unique languages, having unique culture. There's over 11,800 different people groups 
in our world. And of those, I think it's 6,300 are considered unreached, which means that within that group of people, less than 2% of them know Jesus Christ and are committed to winning others to him. And of that group, 3,800 of those are unengaged, which means that currently there is no church, no group of Christians who are strategizing, thinking, making effort to reach them. As long as there are still people in the world who need to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd, we're not done. The mission continues, and we need to be engaged. The Good Shepherd is calling them, and that's reason three, why missions? Because Jesus will call his sheep, and they will come. He will call his sheep, and they will come. You know, it is, it is so easy, especially if you watch a lot of news. Any of you people, news junkies, you like to really watch, listen to a lot of news? All right, it's really easy, especially if you do that, to begin to think that other things going on in the world are the main thing, and this thing, missions, the good shepherd calling a sheep. This is a minor thing. And if we think like that, we are thinking exactly backwards to the way God thinks. I want you to notice what Jesus says in our passage. He says, notice the word must. I must bring them also, these other sheep. That is a strong statement. That is a strong way of saying how committed he is to this. It's, it's like what he says in the Great Commission. We call it Great Commission. The end of uh, Matthew, chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, Jesus starts out by saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Wow. I have all authority in heaven and earth. That's what's going to back up the next thing he says. I have all authority in heaven and earth, therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and I am with you always, even to the end of the age. To the end of the age, this is the priority of the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth, that we make disciples of all nations. This is what Jesus says he must be about. This is major. This is bigger than who's running for president of the United States. This is bigger than the economic meltdown in Europe. This is bigger than our economy. This is bigger than health care. This is bigger than the environment. This is bigger than anything else we're concerned about. And it's not as if Jesus doesn't care about those things. And it's not as if he's not involved in those things. He does care, and he is involved. But to what purpose? What is the one who has all authority in heaven and earth? What is he doing? What is he after? What is he about? Not to make our lives as comfortable and convenient as possible. 
but to call his scattered sheep around the world and give them eternal life and make them part of his flock as one shepherd. That doesn't make headlines. But that is what Jesus is absolutely committed to doing in this world. I mean, how many other things are there that Jesus has said he must do? He will call them, and they will come. And now we might hear that and say, well, then I guess we don't have to do anything. I mean, missions is unnecessary if he's going to call them, and they're going to come, and again and again throughout history, his people have fallen into this error of thinking that if Jesus is going to call them and they're going to come, then we have nothing to do. Wrong. This doesn't make missions unnecessary. What it does is it makes it certain of success. Because the success of missions doesn't depend ultimately on how talented we are. Or how convincing, how persuasive we are. You know what the success of missions depends on? How sovereign Jesus is. He calls his sheep and they will respond. So, I said earlier about this being, uh, this passage like a thorn in the cushion to provoke us. Well, it's more than that. It's not just a thorn to provoke us. It's a promise to encourage us to persevere in spite of all of the challenges and all of the frustrations and all the disappointments and all the hard hearts, all the things that make missions look so impossible it is not impossible. In fact, it's not only possible, it is certain of success. So when we hear discouraging news, I mean, we, maybe we hear about how unresponsive certain people are or how hostile certain governments are. I remember a guy in seminary, a speaker saying, you know, there's these countries that, uh, how did he put it? So something like, you, you, uh, you can't get in with the gospel. And this guy said, that's not really true. You can get in. You may not get out. <laughs> but you can get in. But we hear, you know, these people are unresponsive. Or this government's so hostile. You know, I was just praying the other day. Uh, I have this book. It's called Operation World. If you want to pray for missions, get that book. Operation World. There's a 2010 edition. It's recent. You can pray for every nation, and it'll tell you what's going on and what their prayer requests are. It's, it's very helpful. But I was reading about Saudi Arabia, and uh, there where it's absolutely illegal to practice any religion but Islam. I mean, if you're a Christian who's gone to work in Saudi Arabia, you are not allowed to gather with anyone else and worship. You can't do it. It's illegal. Well, you can do it, but you might not get away with it. And we hear things like that. We hear about, all oh, these people are so unresponsive, that government's so hostile, or, gosh, it's so expensive to take the gospel to other parts of the world. And we hear that, and we must not despair. And we must not give up, because missions isn't our thing. It's his thing. It's Jesus' thing, and he will see it done. And it may be in ways we don't even anticipate, we don't expect. 
All right, so Jesus has other sheep. These other sheep are scattered around the world. He will call them. They will come. One more. Why missions? Because Jesus calls through his messengers. This is why it's a mistake to read, oh, he's going to call them and they're going to come. Okay, then we have nothing to do. No, because he calls them through his messengers. That's how he does it. The fact that missions is Jesus' thing doesn't mean we're not involved and it doesn't mean what we do is unimportant. And it doesn't mean that at all because, uh, and this is so important to get, when God works in this world, he almost always works through people. We've got to not do this this uh, division, this false division that people do that's like, well, if God does it, we don't. And if we do it, then God's not in it. That's not true. Last Sunday was a perfect example of that. Here a man goes into heart arrhythmia right before service. And some of our people who know what they're doing dragged him out of here and began doing CPR on him. And God in his grace spared that man's life. And he came out of a coma on Friday. And he's doing well. And we have prayed and prayed and prayed. So who saved his life? Did those people save his life or did God save his life? Yes, God saved his life through those people. That's how God works. He works through people. I'll give you a classic example of this. Consider the story of the Exodus. All right, here's what's going on. The Israelites are in Egypt and they're enslaved. And life is bitter and they are oppressed. And so they cry out to God for deliverance and God hears them. And God appears to a man named Moses, and he says, Exodus chapter 3, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. And now, verse 9, the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, Moses... Go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people out of Egypt. See that? I've come down to rescue them, Moses. So go, I'm sending you. And when Moses starts making excuses, God says, don't worry. I will be with you. All right, today, different people. The players are different. The objective is different. We're not talking about deliverance from Egypt anymore. We're talking about deliverance from sin. But God's strategy is basically the same. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. So, church, go. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Go and make disciples of all nations. And I will be with you to the end of the age. How do people hear the voice of the Good Shepherd? They hear his voice through the mouths of his messengers. Romans chapter 10. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? 
And how can they preach unless they are sent? So we must go and we must send. One way or another, we must be engaged. We must be engaged. So I'm going to finish with some practical ideas here. Some practical ideas for going and sending. To help us be engaged. First, seriously consider whether or not the Lord would have you go in some way. If you're a young person, okay, don't just assume because you were born in America that God wants you to spend the rest of your life here in the United States. Now, it's true. We're to be witnesses wherever we are. So all of us who are here, we need to be witnesses where we are. But, you know, ask him if he wants you to do that somewhere else. You realize that the United States of America is 4% of the world's population? 4%. Which means that most of the people God is calling aren't here. So ask him if he wants you to go where they are. Ask him. He has ways of letting us know what he wants us to do. And if you want to talk more about that, any of you, I would love to have a conversation with you. Okay, second, second idea. Attend the Missions Connection Conference coming up in a couple of weeks. It's right here in our backyard, Crossroads Church here in Vancouver, it's free. You know, it's usually over like in Beaverton or somewhere. This, this is one of the best conferences on missions there is. It's going to be good. Let me uh, have us show a quick clip about that. So that is a great next step, especially if you are considering being a missionary or if you want to be more engaged, more involved, or if you want to help us as a church do a better job of missions. Uh, they're great keynote speakers. You saw those there. And uh, 
I think there's like 125 workshops uh, they're going to have over Friday night. This is January 2021. 125 workshops over Friday night and all day Saturday. Out in the foyer, there are some of these, and it has the schedule, and it has the list of all the workshops and when they are and where they are, and uh, you can take a look. You know, even if you went to just one, one session or one of the workshops, I think it would be worth your time. Um, there are so many opportunities. There's so many different ways that missions is happening in our world today, so many different ways of being missionaries than we probably think. In fact, one of the biggest, one of the keynote speakers is going to be talking about business as missions. It's one of the biggest opportunities there is right now, is uh, places where you can't just go in and waltz in as a missionary, but they are clamoring for business people who will come and help them start businesses or improve businesses. And conduct business according to Christian principles and values, and in that context, have opportunities to share the good news of Jesus. There's just a lot of opportunities. So there's going to be lots of good information. I think it would help anyone who goes to engage in missions uh, better than before. All right, third idea. Make missions and missionaries a regular part of your prayer life. I talked about the book Operation World. Uh, you can do this as simply, I mean, making a regular part of your prayer life is go to our website and click on the link that uh, says Global Impact, and then click on the link that says International Partners, and you will be taken to a page where all of our missionary families that we support is listed, every one of them, and most of them have links that you can click on to get their latest prayer requests. So it's very simple. Or... Uh, each week, or not necessarily or, but in addition, our prayer sheet uh, always highlights one of our missions families, and it also highlights uh, places in the world where it's really tough to make disciples. Those are the places we need to be praying for. This is distributed in the second hour during our Bible Explorer groups, and it's also emailed to everyone on our email prayer chain. And if you would like to be on our email prayer chain and you're not, just on the connection card that's in your worship folder, just make that note. I want to be on the email prayer chain. Give us your email address. We will put you on it. Uh, pray. Also, our Bible Explorer groups, each Bible Explorer group has taken on at least one of our missionary families for special focus, for prayer, uh, for involvement, uh, visiting with them when they're here. Uh, if you would like to help your Bible Explorer group uh, with that, help, you know, kind of be better connected than they are maybe, uh, volunteer. You just talk to one of your leaders in your group. I'm sure they would be glad to have you help. Prayer for missions is so vital. And this is where we've got to not make the mistake. We say, okay, well, God's going to do it. Jesus is going to do it. Therefore, we don't have anything to do. Wrong. I mean, the Apostle Paul, as he went around to all these different places, places where nobody had heard of Jesus yet, Again and again, he writes his friends, his churches, and says, pray for me. Pray for me that the word of God will go and I will speak as I should. Pray that hard hearts will be softened. Pray that governments will change. Pray that the gospel will run and be glorified. God answers prayer. One more idea. This has to do with our Uganda team. Uh, most of you aren't on that team. But if you're not on the team, don't think, well, okay, 
that's not for me. Uh, no, help the team get there. Pray for them. Uh, maybe adopt. In fact, if you're on the Uganda team, whether you're in this room or down in worship too, would you just stand up? If you're on the Uganda team, planning to go to Uganda. Okay, here's some of them. Uh, and there's a poster out in the back with all their pictures on it. And uh, here's an idea. Adopt one of them. Not into your family, but... <laughs> well, maybe, but no. Um, maybe, maybe pick out one of them that, that, you know, maybe looks extra interesting to you and, uh, or extra needy. <laughs> and say, you know, I want to pray for you. I'm going to pray for the whole team, but I want to especially pray for you. Would you tell me specifically how I can be praying for you? And I'll do that. And, and I'm going to help you financially. You know, that's one way. Help the team get there. And by the way, did you see that our uh, Advent conspiracy offering that we raised, and we raised this to send with our team that's going to Uganda, and they're going to use it to uh, fix up the medical clinic at the orphanage where they're going, that that offering was almost $6,000? I mean, God can do it. God can do it. Way to engage, people. Way to engage. And that's the whole point. We just need to engage. You know, the, I decided that the first part of this year, I was going to preach on some topics that we, we can easily forget about in all the busyness of life. And this is something we can't afford to forget. We've got to be engaged. This is the mission of the great shepherd, to call his other sheep to be part of his flock. We need to engage. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for calling me and putting me in your flock. Thank you for calling everyone here today who is in your flock, who believes and trusts in you, who has said yes to you. Lord, if there's anyone here today who has not yet said yes to you, may today be the day. May they say yes. May they say, Jesus, I need you. I need your death on the cross to pay for my sin, and I need to follow you. And Lord, there are so many more around the world who need to be in your flock. So, God, help us. Help us know how you want each one of us to be engaged. We pray in Jesus' name.